Focusing on the products and services uniquely made in Minnesota. And conversations with the makers, entrepreneurs, and innovators in Minnesota about how they conceived of their products and how they brought them to market. With Stephanie Hansen, it's the Makers of Minnesota. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Makers of Minnesota podcast. I'm Stephanie Hansen. Thanks to those of you for listening, number one, but also for spreading the word I had someone reach out to me last week that was like, I just found out about your podcast and I'm obsessed. I'm listening to all of them. We've got 83 episodes, so there's a lot to choose from. As you probably can gather, I like food a lot because I do spend a lot of time talking to food people, but I'm always looking for other stories outside of food as well. So if you've developed an app or if you have a medical device product that you're really excited about, one of the really interesting uh, episodes we did was talk to a professor at the University of Minnesota who had made the perfect soap molecule, and you have no idea how much money is in soap. It just was kind of a weird thing, so that was a fun one. But if you know someone that you think would be a good fit for the podcast, please have them reach out. We have a Facebook page, uh, Makers in Minnesota, also an Instagram account, a Twitter handle, and you can always find me, S. Hansen, H-A-N-S-E-N, at HBI.com. And uh, I should say, too, if you like hearing about food, I also have a radio show that I do that is on my talk 1071 called The Weekly Dish. It's on Saturdays from 9 to 11, and we give you stories there, too, about local makers and um, different things that are happening and events in town in that space. Today, we have Cody Miller, who is with Funny Bunny Organics. Hi. Thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So Emily is your wife who's not here today. Do you, yes. She's not here because you had a massive life-changing thing happen to you. What was it? Yeah. So uh, just under three years ago now, we had our triplets. And you had had no children. No children, just a small dog. And, and you're living like, I, I watched a video that said you were living like downtown and kind of had this cool little life. And then boom, you're going to have three kids. Yeah, I think boom is the right term for it. Yeah, we were we were shocked to say the least. We people often ask, you know, what did we say when we found out? And the answer is really nothing. You know, there's just shock, shock and yeah, silence. silence. Yes. Yeah, yep. and obviously, you know, everybody. I have one kid and love mm-hmm. her to death. But having three kids and having them all at once is uh, challenging. And you probably didn't even know what you were faced because you'd never had kids before. Yeah. I, you know, Three is hard, but being a first-time parent is hard regardless. Yes. And so for us, we didn't have anything to compare it to. You know, my wife is a part of a lot of parents groups who have um, a single child first and then multiples. And it's difficult because you have that frame of reference, what it's like getting up with one child in the night to feed them, change them, care for them. All of a sudden, when you're thrown three who need the same level of care, yeah. diapering, not sleeping through the night, it's it's a whole other ballgame. I have a friend who has triplets, and we went to their house one time. I think we went there for dinner. And besides the fact that there are, like, living room, all the furniture was, like, pressed out to the outer walls, kind of. They had three boys. Mm-hmm. Um, when it, you know, the kids were, I don't know, a year and a half, I think. And when it was bedtime, like, it was bedtime. They had their blanket. They had their nuckies. And that was it. She did not go back into that room until the morning because if you one got up 
it was like all night long she'd be going back and forth because they would just be cycling through. Does this sound familiar? Yeah, for sure. You know, our our boys can be the sweetest little creatures in the world, but they're also at times the most manipulative little beasts. Yes. Like when once they get their claws into you, they just don't let go. So I 100% agree. We you know, with, whether it be sleep training, eating, whatever it is, yeah. we, we have to just kind of have that regimen. And, and kind really of important. tough love. And yeah. and what she found, and it was interesting, is the kids kind of soothed each other. Yeah. That they sort of form a bond that's... Yeah, yeah. Um, our sons are, you know, both the best of friends and worst of enemies. And sure. it's kind of flip of a coin as to how they're going to be feeling on a certain day or, frankly, a certain five-minute period. So you yeah. got to stay on your toes. So you end up, you're having triplets and... What, what was your day job when you found out that you were having the kids? Yeah, so I worked, both my wife and I worked in a corporate environment. Okay. And tell me about the Funny Bunny Organics and how you started a business on top of having triplets. Yeah, so, you know, once the boys started to switch to solid food, much like with a lot of parents, it was hard to get them to eat vegetables, even in the beginning. Um, but they were eating a lot of PB&Js. Yeah. And, you know, as a parent, especially a parent of kids who are trying to switch to solid food, it was really important for us to find an easier way to get them to eat a vegetable. And at the same time, uh, my wife and I's diet were suffering as well because we were eating chicken nuggets. We were eating sure. whatever we get the kids to eat. So um, we started to experiment by putting uh, vegetables in jam. Had you made jam before? I had never made jam before. And and, and did you think of jam literally because of the peanut butter and jelly situation? Yep, that, that's exactly right. You okay. know, I, even thinking back to... You know, being in the kitchen with my grandma or my mom, I don't think we ever made jam. So this was literally a Google and figure it out activity. And you have uh, blueberry kale, strawberry carrot. You have four flavors now. There's two I'm forgetting. Um, you said blueberry kale, strawberry carrot, berry beet, um, a raspberry carrot, and then I actually have a, stra- a spicy strawberry basil as well. And how much literal vegetable is in the spreads? Yeah, for sure. So in every jar, there's two-thirds of a cup of fruit and a third of a cup of vegetables. So it's a two-to-one ratio of fruit to vegetables. And do they, I mean, I've had a couple of them, and they've tasted just like jelly. Like, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't know that there was stuff in there. They had a little different texture, or not even a texture, a consistency, I guess is the word. Yep. But I had a peanut butter toast the other day with it on there, and it was delicious. Yeah. Do the kids, so it's like the idea of tricking them, is that? Yeah, it, it's certainly trying to get them more vegetables at any point, really. You know, they eat a lot of toast, a lot of PB&Js, but we also like to mix it in with yogurt, put it in with cottage cheese. My wife and I really like to put it out on a cheese plate. So, oh, you know, yeah. this isn't going to solve the uh, getting your vegetables crisis, but it at least, you know, brings you a little bit closer. Um, could you see developing other lines of foods? Yeah, so right now I'm actually um, testing a few different things. Um, the most, the one that's the furthest along would be a graham cracker, which is vegetable based. So, um, a good friend of mine is actually a phenomenal baker, not necessarily my skill set. So we often go to his kitchen and and experiment. So we've tried making both carrot and beet graham crackers um, because that's probably the most popular snack item for, uh-huh. my, for my kids. And So the idea that you're perpetuating with Funny Bunny Organics is you want to continue in this vein of finding ways to put vegetables into traditional foods that kids will eat. Correct. Yes. Love that. Yeah, it's. It, I found that, you know, as we were trying to get the boys to eat vegetables, 
some of the stuff on the market. You know, there is vegetable chips. There's things like that. Um, it's either not as healthy as it looks or you have to have a dramatic diet change to get them to eat, for example, a kale chip. Yeah. It's probably not going to happen. Uh, can I just say, like, kale chips are the worst. Yeah. Anyone yeah. that thinks they're awesome, <laughs> I I mean, they're really not awesome. No, I've had I've had a few that are okay, but other but than okay that. But okay like, is about as good as uh, you get. Yep, and that one bag was enough, right? I'm, yeah. I'm willing and to try most like, foods. Oh, like, kale chips, you will never miss real chips. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm going to nope. miss real chips. I want my want my potato. Chip, yeah. But in your jam situation, like I wouldn't mess regular jam. I would have yeah. just it was great. Yeah, and that's kind of the point. It's not meant to be so scary that you that you're not willing to approach it or, you know, just substitute it for your favorite jam. You and your wife, do you both have day jobs too? We do, yes. Okay, so you've got day jobs, you've got three kids at home. Like when are you carving out time to work on this business? I feel like I'm your mom here, like, no, come on now, no, how's no. this going? I appreciate it. Um <laughs> You know, um, after the boys go to bed, we usually have a couple of hours to just kind of eke some things out. That's usually when I'm just doing more things on the website or doing paperwork, things like that. Um, typically, if I'm going to be in the kitchen, I'll take a day off of work or right. I will go work an overnight. So I'll do my day job, put the kids to bed, go to my kitchen and produce overnight and then go back to my day job. During wow. The day. So how many days a week or month are you producing at this point? Yeah. So I'm I'm in the kitchen probably four to five days a month right now. Fortunately, I have a product that's shelf stable. So yeah. I'm able to kind of make big batches and, um, and store them for short periods of time. I always want to make sure as I'm shipping out, I'm giving the, fresh, the freshest possible product. So I don't like it to sit too long, but just for uh, my sanity's sake, I need to do larger batches. As you grow this company, can you see doing this full time? Like, is that a goal? Yeah, yeah. I think down the road it, it certainly is, and I'm excited to continue to get into more, you know, local retailers and just see, you know, what kind of legs this concept has. Everyone who um, has tried it seems to really like it, and I have yeah. a lot of repeat customers. Um, it seems to be doing well at the retailers that we're in. So, what I, retailers are you in? Yeah, so right now we're in London Byerly's, uh, Lakewinds Co-op. Uh, we just uh, launched in Be Below Gift Shop. Uh-huh. Um, and our, we have a pretty big food section there. Yeah, it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I went there actually last night to check it out, and it, it was really cool to see all the local Yeah, the they local do stuff. a good job there. Corazon has a good local food section, too. Right. I don't know if you've visited no, her, no, but haven't. you should. Okay. Um, and my first actual retail client was the MSP Duty Free store at the airport. They, It's just a really random place. <laughs> they reached out to me. They were building a little local assortment. And yeah. I said, of course, why not? It'd be really cool to be in the airport. So for a couple months, that was my only retail customer. And it was it, it's fun when I, I travel a bit for my day job. So every time I'm in the airport, I just swing by and check it out and yeah. see how it looks. Yeah. Is sampling a big part of your business? Uh, yes. I, I find that you kind of need to um, break down any potential barrier to a customer trying it. You know, So if I can be in a store or at a farmer's market... Um, or an event and have my jam on crackers and I can help tell the story. You know, typically once people try it, they like it. But if you just walk up to it on the shelf and see a berry beet jam, that sounds really yeah. strange. So I'm going to stay away from that. And most people don't realize that um, a lot of these demos that you're doing in the stores that you pay for that. Mm-hmm. How do you manage, like, do you have a budget set aside so that? Yeah, yeah. The So far the... Uh, the sampling events that I've done, it's been uh, mostly I just supply my time and the the product, and I don't have to pay anything additional for the space. Um, but even 
even with that, the the state of Minnesota has a reimbursement program Mm -hmm. for uh, small business owners who are doing sampling events. So they do. Yeah, they do. So you can, if you you have to pay at a grocer, you can get reimbursed through this program. Yeah, you can get paid a certain amount for the product and the time you spend. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, it was it's something new that I learned actually um, through uh, the owner of Maddie and Mays, which I know you've done a story with him in the past too. Yeah, striker. Yep. Oh, see, this you guys, you makers, you all stick together because you're all to. so smart. Yeah, well, or just really, um, we need each other to to move forward, right? I sometimes I really question how smart I actually am, jumping into a side business on top of everything else. But yep. I think we're at least driven, and we're we're um, we just want to help each other. What do you do in your day job? Uh, so I'm in corporate. I work in retail. Okay. So a lot of uh, project management, things like that. All right. So it's one thing to get your product and it's good and it's tasty. And mm-hmm. then you have packaging. Like, how did you put the packaging together? Did you do the logo yourself? Did you hire a design firm? Yeah. So I'm I'm fortunate in that my brother-in-law is very um, design-oriented and he's very good um, with, with the um, digital work. Yeah. So... Uh, he and I actually did the first pass, you know, when I was developing some farmer's market packaging. And I remember he and I kind of found a corner at a family Christmas and just started to sketch out <laughs> what we what we thought the um, the logo could look like. And it all came down to we wanted it to be super simple, uh, kind of reflecting the simplicity of our ingredients. We wanted it to be a little bit playful. And that's why we kind of brought in the bunny with the sprout as an ear. And, you know, he took the sketches and brought it to life for our first round of um, farmer's market packaging. And uh, he created the design. I printed it online. And, and since then, I've, I've worked with a local branding agency to kind of elevate. So that way on the retail shelf, everything stood out a little bit more. Yeah. Will you be doing farmer's markets this summer? Or are you focusing your efforts on retail? Yeah. So I'm, I'm working on, on getting into a couple farmer's markets right now. So we're right in the middle of application season. So everything's yep. kind of wrapping up here in the next couple of weeks. And I should get a good idea of where I'll be um, by mid-April. Okay. Um, how much is each of the jars? Yeah, so um, it varies a little bit by retailer, but it's right around seven ninety nine for a half pint and three ninety nine for a two ounce jar. Okay, um, and when you're in a market setting, do you sell like samplers and that kind of thing? Yeah, so typically when I'm at a farmer's market, um, I will bundle the two ounce jars because that's just a really good like three to four sandwich size. Yeah. Uh, it's also really good for a cheese plate. I'll often bundle those in a set of four for like $10 just yeah. to get people a chance to try a bunch of different flavors. Yep. It was, like I said, it was really good. Um, when you think about feeding kids, have you found other products that you've liked that you thought, wow, this is really ingenious? Yeah. Um when I think of some ingenious products, oftentimes I think outside of the the, the food itself, but um, oftentimes the packaging. So anytime there's a piece of packaging that, that solves a problem, uh, I think squeeze pouches are, are great. I was just going to say those, like when they put um, the applesauce in those. Yes. Yeah. I that mean, was incredible. Yeah. that's And I know that's a bit old at this point but you know having three kids in a minivan on the road and just being able to hand back a pouch and have them be able to kind of eat without any mess or yep. any additional work needed that's really fantastic anything that fits in a cup holder for us is also really popular because yeah. we just throw it in their car seat that's really funny um do you have any like are there lessons that you've learned like can you think of some time where you just like totally screw screwed it up or like, wow, I wish I'd had learned that before. Yeah. Um, 
I'm trying to think of just a couple times. There's been so many mistakes made, even in the first year. Um, I think the first is just being maybe afraid to ask questions because, you know, you think of, you know, Brett with Maddie and Mays and a few other of these really kind of cool up-and-coming local brands. And you're like, man, they must really have it figured out. They're, you know, they, um, they're they obviously doing something right. They're probably yep. super busy, so they never probably want to have to have the time to you know sit down and what i found is asking the question and reaching out oftentimes yields you know really really phenomenal results he's an interesting person that you bring up too because when i interviewed him one of the things that struck me about him was how much researching and asking of questions he did yes. of people yeah. he's very unassuming mm-hmm. he's very humble but he's not afraid to like go and ask you like hey will you spend 10 minutes with me to help me learn this skill that i need to learn and for sure I think that's how he he made it, you know? For sure. I think he's just very persistent. Yeah, and he was actually one of the very first people that I connected with in the food community. Good and, for you. And, you know, ever since then, I've not been um, afraid to shoot off an email or pick up the phone and just ask for, uh, you know, 15 minutes of someone's time to ask questions, bounce off ideas. And I think a lot of the makers, certainly people that I interview, you know, time is your big resource, but it also takes someone else's time to help you and then you can pay it forward in that way. Absolutely. I was at an event last night for the Minnesota Cup and it was really fun to be around. You know, I'm I'm a year in so I'm still very young yep. as far as this goes, but it's it's really interesting to have, you know, some of the people who are a couple months in coming up and asking questions and I feel as though I can provide value and I'm always Happy to set up coffees with them, you know, you know, outside of in your spare settings. time. Yeah, for sure. With all my with all my free time, I'm always happy. Do you to think help. you'll compete in the Minnesota Cup? I think so. Yeah. Um, is there a like what I don't understand about the Minnesota Cup? Is there like a life cycle or a maturity to your business that you need to get to before you can apply? Or no, from my understanding, it, it's all aspects. So you can be someone who just has an idea who wants to incubate it all the way through someone who's you know very mature in their business and. And wants to take it to the next level. Yeah, I need to do a podcast with them so that Absolutely. we can help spread the word. That's a pretty yeah. neat uh, organization. Well, thank you for being here today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, people can find your products. We said Lund Spirelys. Yep. Um, give me your other locations, The Wedge. Um, not at The Wedge oh, yet. Oh, sorry, um, be below. I'd love to be at The Wedge. Uh, Lake <laughs> if Winds, you're listening, Wedge. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Lake Winds Co-op. Um, MSP duty-free, so if you're flying, that's a good place yeah. to find it. Otherwise, uh, my website, funnybunnyfoods.com. Um, and then some farmer's markets during the summer as yeah, well. Yeah, I'll be anxious to see where you end up. So keep us in the loop. Uh, yeah. We will put it on our Facebook page. You can always find Makers of Minnesota on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. I answer all the questions that come in as fast as I can. So if you're looking for a product and you don't know where to find it, just send me a text and I'll hook you up. Or not a text, a Facebook message, I guess. Messenger. Woo, there you go. <laughs> and I will hook you up. Uh, thanks for being here today. Yeah, thank you.